Hey everyone, this is Josh Hallman. Welcome to Beyond Mars podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders in aerospace, defense, and aviation industries. Today, our guest is the one, the only, Randy Cruz, Senior Advisor to the Administrator at NASA. Welcome, Randy. Thanks, Josh. It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, it is great to, to see you again. Uh, it's been a while since I saw you out in uh, Los Angeles, uh, as I've as I ferried back and forth between the NASA headquarters here out in DC, uh, out to UCLA there. But uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. No worries. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. You know, like we do on, on all of these shows, there's kind of three things we're going to explore. One is, you know, Randy, how did you get to be the, the senior administrator? And then the second part is, NASA does a lot. I mean, we could we could probably talk for multiple days, but we'll talk about one or maybe a few projects that you guys are currently working on or orchestrating through others, uh, and how that's impacted uh, aerospace and 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 getting to the moon, to Mars, and beyond. Uh, and then we'll kind of close out with industry trends that you're seeing, uh, just general things that into 2021 and, and and beyond. So let's just dive in. So Randy, tell me you know, it, you're now in the aerospace industry. How, how did you get here? So so how I got to NASA is very interesting. So I'll just rewind uh, a little bit. Um, I've always been a, a fan of the uh, of the aerospace and aeronautics world, even as a kid. Uh, so much that uh, uh, in 1986, when the movie Top Gun came out, I realized that I wanted to fly. I wanted to enter yeah. the aviation world. Pat and I had full. a sense of, sense of duty. Absolutely. I can't wait for Top Gun 2, by the way. I know. With bated breath. Uh, so I joined the Navy. Uh, I'm actually uh, still active duty in, in the Navy. Um, I am a, what's called a Naval Flight Officer uh, by trade. So if you think about Top Gun terms, uh, I'm the goose, uh, <laughs> if you will. Um, my eyesight kind of failed me when I needed it to be 2020, but that's okay. I still had the opportunity uh, to get in the air, which is what I wanted to do. Uh, after uh, graduating from the Naval Academy and, and going to fight school, uh, I was fortunate to get selected for the uh, the E2C community, the E2C Hawkeye is a, uh, is a Navy carrier-based airborne early warning aircraft. That's the, the aircraft with the big radar disc on top, the, yeah, the yeah. aircraft. Um, and as a Naval flight officer in that aircraft, uh, you're responsible for what's called command and control. The Air Force calls it airspace battle management, but it's basically understanding who's who, where's everybody at, and kind of like seeing the whole chessboard or in sports terms, seeing the football field and kind of making sure that the plays that need to be called are being called on time to get the effects that you desire. So uh, as a uh, Naval flight officer, um, I did uh, a couple of uh, deployments and then I was fortunate to get selected for the United States Naval Test Pilot School. Uh, and going to that school, then you learn how to look at flying a little bit differently because you'll be responsible for looking at new programs, uh, future acquisitions to see if it's worth buying for, for the Navy. So that was very interesting. Uh, you learn how to, uh, uh, like I said, look at look at things a little bit differently. Understanding, you know, a lot of times when you're you're in your car or you're you're on the computer or in an aircraft, and you complain, "Why is this like this?" Well, probably because someone who was testing it didn't catch it and say, "Hey, you need to fix this before we put it out to the fleet." And so uh, that was my job for a, a couple of years, testing systems uh, for the E2C Hawkeye avionics systems. Uh, during my time there, we got a new propeller. Uh, so when I first started flying in the Hawkeye, we had the four-bladed propeller. Uh, and then uh, by the time I got to test pod school uh, and graduating from there, uh, the eight-bladed propeller came out. Okay. And we needed to make sure that, uh, that it um, wasn't interfering with our avionics system. So that was, that was interesting. I did that and I did uh, 
some work with uh, electronic support measures, um, looking at passive systems and, and the electromagnetic uh, spectrum. And I did also some foreign military sales. So I looked at the brand new aircraft that was going to Egypt into Taiwan. And uh, having flown in the fleet, you know, the, the aircraft have a, a, a they're, they're pretty beat up. They're, they're vintage, if you will. Yeah. And to fly these new aircraft that's going to Egypt and Taiwan right off the flight line, it literally has a new car smell and it's a new aircraft smell. So that was, that was rewarding to see how things were supposed to work when they're right off the line before they get, uh, they get broken in. So I did that and then I got uh, sent to uh, the Kingdom of Bahrain where I was a Tomahawk land attack missile uh, planner. Um, uh, did that and then because of my acquisition experience, I was selected to go lead the new version of the E2, E2 Hawkeye. It's called the E2D, the Advanced Hawkeye, and help figure out how we're going to integrate that into the fleet. It's, it was a radar modernization program, basically a brand new inside uh, internal organs to the aircraft um, because things were getting kind of old. So I was in charge of getting that integrated into the fleet. From there, I did another, another deployment from the West Coast. Uh, flying the uh, the Hawkeye 2000, another variant of the Hawkeye. And then eventually I got selected to go to what was then called NSOC, the Naval Strike and Aero Warfare Center out of Fallon, Nevada. That's the home of Top Gun, the Growler School for, for, the, for the EA-18s, uh, Seahawks or Seawolf School for the, uh, for the helicopters, uh, and then CAUSE, the Carrier Airborne Early Warning Weapon School for the Hawkeyes. And so there as an instructor, uh, led other instructors as we trained the fleet uh, some varsity tactics with our, our growing, uh, growing peer threat. So you got, uh, you got to actually be top gun. Uh, so we're right next to top gun, but I did go through top gun, uh, as a student. Uh, that was the, that in, was the goal, year. right? You, yeah. As a kid. And then you, you made it. <laughs> it was cool. It was, yeah. it was definitely, a, 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 an unforgettable experience. Uh, from there, and I'm going through a long history, but I'm, let me get to my point here. Uh, and then I took over a squadron, did a, a, a combat deployment on the East coast, Flew a bunch of hours uh, uh, doing some, some stuff over Iraq and Syria. Uh, some pretty rewarding stuff to see, you know, a couple hundred of, of your closest friends deploy with you, making sure that these aircraft are, are able to meet the mission, get airborne, do what it's supposed to, make, our, make sure, you know, our folks are safe, come back home, and then make sure all of our people and our equipment make it home safely. So that was pretty rewarding. And then I got uh, sent to San Diego, uh, beautiful San Diego, you know, yeah. can't really complain about Southern California. Can't beat it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was doing a lot of uh, integrated air missile defense uh, work out there as you know, training um, ships and uh, aircraft and, and squadrons and air wings as they prepared to deploy. It was there where I got a phone call from the head of NASA. But before I get into that, uh, I think the, the, what I ought to highlight is on all those tours and all those jobs, uh, according to the folks who did my assessments, um, they said that I did pretty well. And I guess the key is sustained superior performance in whatever job you do. Some people will ask, well, how do you get here? What's the recipe? I, I got to tell you, I had no idea I was going to ever end up at NASA. Mm -hmm. uh, it just worked out that way. And I think it's because no matter what task you're given, as long as you do the best that you can, it's all going to work out. Yeah. Uh, so I get a call. I, I'm, in, I'm in San Diego and I get a call uh, from, the, from the head of NASA. And he's like, hey, how would you like to, <laughs> how would you like to come work for me? I wait, wait. before you pick up you know you get a call did you know that was nasa like when you're looking at the caller id you're like that's nasa i did not i yeah. just it was, a, it, was a, it was a phone number uh, uh we're just a dc you know, we're, we're, or yeah it was, it was a dc number uh and uh i'd always been following nasa and mm -hmm. when he introduced himself you know um 
I, I, I knew who he was. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and Jim actually, Jim Bridenstine, the head of NASA, also has a Hawkeye background. So our community is, is rather small. And so we all get to, you know, if not know each other, know of each other. Uh, and it turns out that as he was taking over the agency, uh, this was in 2018, um, he, he needed to build this staff and he needed someone with, with some peculiar qualifications and experience that, that uh, he could rely on. Someone with large organization experience, someone that understands acquisitions and operations. Uh, and for whatever reason, he thought I might've been the guy and I wasn't gonna complain. And so he called, he asked, I looked at uh, my wife and she said, sounds like fun. And I gotta be honest, uh, you know, as much of a fan of NASA as I am, uh, we totally thought we were going to Houston. We thought yeah. that's where the course was. <laughs> so uh, it is not, it's here in DC. Um, yeah. So we, 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 we agreed, the Navy was willing to, to loan me to NASA for a couple of years and we haven't looked back. It's been, it's been fantastic. So yeah, so that's how I that's how I got here. Uh, I think uh, if you just keep keep doing the best, which you know, best you can, it'll 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 all work out. I mean um, that that it, just stopping right there. I I interviewed a couple of people, very 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 um, intelligent, very successful people. One thing that comes up almost every interview is a common thread: um, you don't know where you're going. <laughs> And I think a lot of people starting out in, in uh, like in, uh, most of the people I talk to, engineers or technical side, you know, they wanted to fix stuff or solve problems. Um, and they're like, well, how do I get there? And like you said, I think it's, it's a great summary. It's do it with excellence. No matter what you're handed, you know, it could be the worst project in the world. If you do it well, someone's going to notice. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but, you know, you moved around United States, the world, um, and you know, you never know who's watching. And in your close knit, someone very successful in that close, you know, network could say, "I want that person with me um, at NASA for you." And so, I, I think that's really cool and, and a great lesson for anyone listening who wants to get in this industry or maybe at NASA, wherever they're going, um, and whatever you're doing, wherever you are, do it with excellence. Absolutely, do it with excellence. We have we have a saying. Sustained superior performance. Just keep at it, you know. So I've been at NASA for the last couple of years, um, and there's it's just been um, amazing. Uh, so I've gone from the aeronautics world of flying military aircraft to you know outside of the atmosphere to things going out into space. Uh, over the last couple of years, it's been it's been very interesting. Um, you know, it, so NASA's portfolio is, is wide and varied. Yes. Um, so I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I mean, we can go wherever you want. I, I think that the, the biggest thing is highlight one area, and, and I'm sure it'll branch off to somewhere else. Um, the, the big focus here is, you know, to the moon, to Mars and beyond. I mean, okay. we could start off, I mean, the, the uh, you know, any commercial crew going out, you know, the Dragon, we got to that. Uh, ISS and and then I know we're you're eventually going to get us to the moon 2024 hopefully uh, so yeah let's let's explore that all right so let's that's all right so we've got uh, so NASA is broken down into mission directorates we've got the human uh, exploration operations uh, directorate so everything about uh, going into space with with people uh, we've got the science mission directorate which includes both earth science heliophysics which is the sun and then you know, looking at the, at the solar system. 
We also have the uh, Aeronautics Research Mission uh, Directorate, which is aeronautics, the first A and NASA, if you will. I'll, I'll touch on all, you know, it's just so this, you know, if this gets out, I don't want anyone to be upset that they got left out. So I'll try to cover all three. <laughs> uh, we'll start from, we'll start from the ground, the ground up, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so aeronautics research mission development. Uh, let's see, there is a, a couple of things um, uh, in works. There's the, uh, the X-59 um, quiet supersonic transport. Uh, also known as the low bloom low boom flight demonstrator. So years ago we had the Concorde, and yeah. it would go, you know, it, it would fly, you know, was it uh, New York to Paris like three hours or, or right. something yeah. like that, uh, which is you know to some very very valuable. But it 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 fell off the wayside because uh, one it was you know it was early in the technology and we had a couple of accidents, so it was it was dangerous. But and two it was just it created that sonic boom and it just you know depending on where it landed, it could damage some things. It could shatter the glass, you know, of, of your house or of the building. And so supersonic transport kind of went by the wayside. But we think, uh, and we're on our way to, to proving uh, that we can, we can shape the aircraft such that it can create a, a, a sonic boom uh, that uh, I think it's been compared to like the, the, the turning of a doorknob or shutting of a car door uh, mm -hmm. compared to you know, the sonic booms that we're used to. So uh, we can expect to see the X X-59 uh, fly, hopefully sometime, um, I, I think I think we're targeting uh, sometime soon, hopefully it'll be this year, but they've already laid the frame down. Uh, they have already, you know, they're starting to put uh, some panels on on on, on this thing. Um, so that, is that's- it, so, uh, is it, I, so I've heard of other, and it might be in the same program, like I think it's Boom Supersonic. Like there's some private companies that are, are trying to do the same thing, or is it yes. is that a competitor, or are you working with them? So, so uh, we're not working with them. Uh, we've been working on this for for a while, just like like many programs. You know, the formulation stage happens. You know, at time zero, and by the time uh, monies get appropriated, metal starts getting bent, and you know, to the whole program management, to your, whether you call it a milestone or, or yeah. key decision point, you know, that's that's years. The, the beautiful thing about NASA is we, you know, it's in our chart to inform people of what we're doing, right? We are a federal agency and we're just trying to make the world a better place. Right. Uh, and so, you know, we, we don't have any proprietary tech, you know, NASA doesn't, doesn't have proprietary technology. And so we're, we're able to share what we're, what we're working on. So there are other companies that realize, hey, there might be a market. So Boom is one. There's like, I think a couple others that are looking yeah, at- so Small private, yeah. Uh, so there is, I just there is wondered if those were connected or, or if, if you guys were working in parallel. Um, I know. So as far as I know, and I'd have to go back and check, but I think uh, we started this before uh, Boom Boom came out. Now, um, I, I, I do remember seeing a clip where they actually had like a picture of an aircraft yeah. uh, already, uh, which is which is what's fascinating about the commercial and, and the, uh, uh, the, industrial, the uh, industrial sector. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll bring it up now, but, you know, NASA today, especially today, we, we encourage commercializing things that, you know, that, we, that have already been done. Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, the, the, the quiet boom is, is, is new. Supersonic transport is, is not new. So I don't know the features of what boom has to yeah, offer. I, I'm not familiar if they're trying to do the doorknob, close the door kind yeah. of land. <laughs> but I just was wondering if those were connected at all. But it's it, like you said, it's cool that there is commercialization for the supersonic, but also 
you know, going up to International Space Station. I know you'll get to that soon, but sorry, continue. Yeah, so so there's a market for 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 fast travel, whether it be uh, supersonic in the air or even you know, uh, Elon Musk has his um, Hyperloop, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, in, the boring. In, I, don't, company. I don't want to belittle it, but it's like uh, moving people pretty fast. I think of the uh, old uh, ATM, you know, things where you put a little canister and it gets yeah, to, uh, yeah. vacuumed up to the thing. But I think it's I think it might be very similar to that. I think uh, Virgin. Is it Virgin Galactic or I think they, Branson's they doing demo. it as well. Yeah. Like a, maybe last month they showed a couple of people, uh, some of their designers or engineers actually do a, a run on it. So that, so there's a desire to, to, to move fast. A um, couple other things in the aeronautics researched uh, mission directorate, uh, electrical aircraft. You know, we've got the uh, X-57, which is all electric. Um, yeah, that, that is still uh, in work. The idea is you're going to have thin, thin long wings that uh, can produce enough, you know, enough lift, uh, and you're not going to burn as much gas. So, you know, a lot of the uh, early images show like 12 electrical engines on this on this wing. Not all of them will be running at the same time. It's just you know to get airborne. But once you get into um, altitude that you need to, um, you know, you, you can you can fly uh, efficiently. So there is concern about, you know. What about uh, the battery? Wouldn't that be super heavy for them? What? So right now that's probably one of the bigger challenges that they're facing. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what electric cars, the battery's, you know, one of the heaviest parts. So yeah. I just was wondering, trying to get up. Once you get up, I know there's huge planes, you know, when you're flying across the Atlantic or the Pacific, you're like, how does this bird get up? And yeah. they do. But I, I just was wondering if that's a concern that they have for these electric planes. Yeah, so the, the so weight is always concerned for any aircraft, whether it's electric or, or, or gas powered, right? Because um, it, you know, it, it's the um, it's it's one thing to fly, but you want to be able to fly and move things, right? So I mean, that's that's the whole point. Which takes me to uh, advanced air mobility (AAM), and uh, there used to be a thing, uh, I, guess, I guess, a concept called um, uncrewed aircraft, if you will. But the idea is, and you've probably seen this with Amazon where they're moving car, you know, packages from place mm -hmm. to place. Well, like a drone or- Like a drone, right. Yeah. But, but using UASs or UAVs, um, uh, un uncrewed, unmanned aerial vehicles. Uh, and so uh, we've done a couple of studies this last year, a couple of demos in Texas and in, in Reno, Nevada, where we're trying to figure out how to make multiple UAVs able to move around and talk to each other Without running into each other or, or crashing, so we were able to demonstrate that. Now those those were you know small UAVs, but the idea is at some point perhaps you know scale it up such that it's taking packages, huge packages, people. Mm -hmm. So you know you can say you know hey Uber, I need you to pick me up up on the roof, and then it, and, it, and it takes you or or Lyft or whoever maybe the yeah uh, the companies that are looking into that kind of ten thing. years from now yeah but the, the 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 autonomous technology so they don't run into each other. Uh, is 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 one of the fascinating things that they're looking at, which uh, which which will be you know, which will be neat to see. Uh, so that's those are just some of the things that are happening in the in the aeronautics yeah. world. Uh, okay, so moving away from the Earth, uh, but looking back at the Earth, if you will, we've got the Science Mission Directorate. Uh, we do a lot of work with uh, climate uh, uh, climate uh, uh, change and evaluation, um, looking at uh, you know, the the atmosphere. Uh, things on, on the surface of the earth, looking at uh, mapping the earth, you know, looking at the changes of the rainforest, looking at the, the uh, melting ice. Um, I, I was reading something uh, that we're looking to uh, have underway called PACE. 
and it's looking at plankton, you know? So, I mean, we're looking at, at everything with today's technology, you know, you, you were, I, I'm talking to you right now through a little camera on this computer, the mm -hmm. same camera that's on our phones, which was part of the same technology that we used back in the day that NASA used when we're, you know, trying to get to, uh, uh, you know, get out into space. Mm -hmm. So that, so the, you know, the things that we're working on now, things we're looking at will have repercussions and, and effects way down the road. Yeah. Um, let's see. So keeping with the, with the science theme, uh, looking at the earth, looking at the sun, we launched a couple of probes last year um, in the last, over the last couple of years. Uh, and so we've gotten closer to the sun than we, than we ever had to under, better understand how that works. You know, the, we don't really talk about it much, but, you know, space is a very volatile and violent environment. Yes. Uh, it can get super hot and it can get super cold. And there's a lot of radiation that's out there. Uh, you, know, you know, for all those that are working- Our atmosphere protects us from a lot that's going on. I, I, just, to, just to pause right there, I, I was hearing a interview with an astronaut. I never thought of this, but he, he's talking about being on the International Space Station and outside, you know, the side that's facing the sun is warm. The side that's not is very cold. I mean, it's like it's, if I would be outside, the shadow side is extremely cold and it's super hot. We just don't experience that. I, n I never yeah. thought of it that way. But continue on with the how, yeah, how no, violent. Yeah, you're, you're talking about anywhere between negative, I think it's like negative two, negative 200 plus degrees cold, roll on over to the sun to 200 plus degrees, you know, yeah in the positive of, of heat. Um, so not not the vacation sort, if you aside, if, if you will, but it is dangerous, there's radiation and we're trying to understand the cycles of the sun, you know, the uh, corona mass ejections and, you know, the, you know, the stuff that's coming off the sun. We use the sun, we need the sun, we value the sun so much, but we don't really know it as well as, as we can. So there's a lot, of, hmm. a lot of work going on in the, in the heliophysics. Uh, looking out towards space, past the uh, International Space Station, uh, we've got, uh, you know, this last July, was it July? We launched a, um, uh, a Mars rover called mm -hmm. the, called Perseverance. Perseverance. With a helicopter on board called Ingenuity. Uh, and it's, it's fragged to land here in about 41 days or so, somewhere in, in, in February, which is going to be fascinating. So the U.S. Uh, has been the, f the, the first, or NASA or U.S. has been the only country to successfully land uh, on, on Mars. Now, uh, China has launched, uh, and so has the UAE, United Arab Emirates, their, uh, their mission Hope. And they're all supposed to land sometime this year. I think first is us uh, with, uh, with perseverance and ingenuity. Uh, China's got, I think it's called the uh, Tianwen-1. It's gonna orbit Mars first and then send down a rover, uh, a, a rover and a, um, which one I call it, a, a lander and a rover. Uh, and then the Hope uh, from the UAE is supposed to be, I think a month, a month after i have to check the dates but 2021 is going to be an exciting time for, for landing on mars the u.s is the first one to land successfully with a soft landing um this will be our ninth knock on wood and then uh, if china and uae will make it they'll, they'll be uh, 10 and 11 land, successful landings but the first for countries other, other than the u.s uh now i say the u.s but the u.s you know nasa does a lot of international work with our partners uh folks from the different countries part, countries that are part of uh the European, European Space Agency. Uh, so we've got a lot of their components as well. So there's a lot of activity going uh, on, on, on at Mars. And people ask, why do we care about Mars? Well, you know, Mars used to be covered with water. Yeah. Mars used to have an atmosphere. 
the same atmosphere that protects us from the dangers of the sun that we were just talking about. It might be a good idea to understand what happened and if there's something we can do to make sure it doesn't happen to us. Uh, we've already found a couple of things uh, about Mars. Uh, we've learned that they, they have Mars quakes, like earthquakes. Yeah, uh, it's very but, small, right? You can barely feel it at the, at the, at the surface. Correct. It's, yeah, it's and, crazy. And we're able to listen to, to the, the winds. Um, we were able to find water. We, uh, I think right now it's an ice format, but we don't know exactly what's in the core um, uh, of, of Mars. But, we, you know, it'd be, it'd be good to find out. Now, the challenge of, of, of actually doing um, the, the exploration and research on Mars is, you know, it'd be, it's one thing to send a robot to, to, to do all that work, but to get more research per, per time, per hour, if you will, is to really get eventually, you know, astronauts onto the surface of, of Mars, which sounds easier said, said than done, which brings me to the Artemis mission, the Artemis program. You know, people are wondering, you know, why are we going back to the moon? Um, we're going forward to the moon in order to eventually make it to Mars. Mars and Earth are on the same side of the sun every, I think it's every two years or so. So our, our best opportunity to travel to Mars, which takes months, by the way, on a one-way trip to get there, uh, we want to make sure that we're able to do that successfully. Now, we, the, the goal right now with the Artemis program is to practice this with the moon, which is three days away, right? So let's figure out how to get to the moon, how to set up camp, and how to survive with the resources that we find on the moon. Mm. So that's the goal of the Artemis program. So Artemis, um, Artemis, by the way, which is the um, uh, Greek mythological twin sister of Apollo, and she's mm -hmm. also God, the, the goddess of the hunt and goddess of the moon, perfect name for our, our revisit to the, to the moon, uh, is, you know, is, 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 is just that. We're gonna go back to the moon to figure out as a proving ground, how to get there safely, how to set up camp and how to live off that. So we can do that when we get to Mars. Cause once you get to Mars, you're gonna be there a while. It's right? a while. Yeah. Um, and now we are looking at uh, different types of propulsion. So that's still still in work to Mars. But in the meantime, up front, let's figure, let's do the groundwork for Artemis. So the goal, in fact, uh, and we just announced it a couple of days ago, we're gonna first do our, our first fully integrated firing test of that of the core stage of the uh, space launch system the sls rocket SLS, yeah right so we're gonna fire that that puppy up you know and let, let that you know let's see some smoke and fire mm -hmm. and see how it works uh, as, a, as a whole system uh that's a big milestone uh and then we're gonna be able to start putting the, those things together with the goal of by by 20 by the end of this year to have launched the first of a series of artemis missions artemis one is to just really get the uh, uh, the rocket and the capsule back around the moon to a, a designated point. Uh, the second uh, Artemis uh, two, uh, which we're targeting for 2023, will go back um, uh, again. I'm sorry, we'll go. To, I'm sorry, Artemis will go to a point around by the moon. Artemis two will go around the moon, and Artemis, Artemis three will actually will have our first set of astronauts on board, uh, and it will it will land uh, on the moon. Um, so that's that's the um, the uh, getting to the moon phase, and then to sustain ourselves there. That's the the second phase, if you will. That'll be Artemis four, and and so on. Um, so there's a lot of a lot a lot a lot of uh, a lot of rocket uh, uh, a lot of rocket launches on, on the horizon here. We get a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions about why aren't we using 
uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX's, you know, Starship. Well, you know, I had talked earlier about, you know, programs and life cycles. You know, when we looked at this Artemis program a couple of years ago, Starship wasn't ready for something right. like that, right? In fact, you know, we're, I think Starship uh, SN9 is supposed to do a, a launch, I think some, maybe, maybe tomorrow, another, another, another test. And we're trying to launch and get, you know, towards the moon uh, soon. Uh, and so we're, we've got to use things that are, we know are available. And so the SLS rocket was already uh, in work. So we, we, we're using that. Uh, we'll have to make a couple of modifications with two and three to get to, you know, the extra oomph to get around the moon and to get people there and to get the things we need to get on space. When we get to the sustainment phase, we're going to have what's called the gateway. And it's going to be an outpost orbiting the moon, which will allow us to go and, you know, to and from any part of the moon that we want, which will be key for, you know, when we start trying to figure out how to, you know, uh, do um, uh, in situ resourcing, how to use this, the things that we find on the moon. You know, we, we did find water. And you've probably heard this, that, you know, uh, we talk about, you know, H2O on, on, on the moon, which is fantastic because you could use that water to drink, mm -hmm. use the oxygen to survive, if you break it down. And if you mix it up just right with the hydrogen and oxygen, you can make the same fuel that we use to launch the space shuttle, you know, you know back, you know, in the last, uh, I was going to say last millennium, but it was last millennium. Yeah. Uh, and all the way up through 2011. My goodness. So it is time. It is time to go back, um, but not just to stay at the moon, uh, but really an effort to get to Mars, which, which right. is just going to be fascinating. I could talk about this forever, um, but I, I feel no, like- No, it's, it's, it's totally <laughs> fascinating. So continue. Where else would you like to explore? So, so there's, so much, there's so much about the moon that we still don't know. What we do know is that, you know, there is a lot of, a lot of history that could be learned just by studying the moon, you know, by getting to the moon. I talked earlier about, you know, NASA doesn't want to, as a federal agency, invest in things that we've already done. We've already been to the moon. Uh, and so we've, 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 we have put on contract a, a couple of things. Um, the commercial, pay, uh, commercial lunar payload system clips, uh, we've, we've hired, we've contracted uh, a bunch of companies already to start getting things to the moon on their own. Uh, they can, and there's a lot of rocket companies that are out there. So okay. depending on how small it is, you can, you can go with whoever. I think um, uh, the Department of Defense just uh, awarded a contract to SpaceX uh, because of their, their proven record with, with their rockets to get into orbit. Uh, now getting to the moon will be a little bit different, but I'm, I'm sure you know, companies will be looking at how, how, to, how to do that. Uh, depending on the uh, the mass of the, of the payload, but NASA isn't interested in creating our own human landing system either. So we have awarded contracts to three companies uh, already uh, that are competing to be the the vehicle that's going to take our our people from Artemis three from that capsule down to the surface of the moon. It's not being designed or, or engineered by NASA. It is being purchased um, by by NASA through you know through these companies. We want to be a customer. Uh, of, um, of of a service, and that's kind of where space is is going. Um, yeah. I was reading uh, Morgan Stanley has has identified or has been quoted that uh, you know the space industry is going to be in the trillions. You know, I think earlier it said twenty forties, but maybe even in twenty thirties. I have to go back and check the numbers. But the bottom line is there is a lot there is a lot of uh, uh, a lot of things available in space, whether it be profit. Uh, learning science, there's just, it's just, it is, <laughs> my Star Trek fans will love this, friends, you know, it is the final frontier, it's just, yeah. we don't know, 
a lot about it. We, we know it's dangerous, so we have to be careful. Uh, and NASA's approach to all this is, you know, we'll do what we can, but the moment we feel that you know a person or an astronaut is in danger, then we're not gonna take that risk, right? Um, we do have to take some risk. It has to be measured and mitigated. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you want to make sure our folks are safety, we never leave the earth. But right. um, it's, it's a risk worth taking because we think the benefits will outweigh that. Uh, you know, that's just, you know, the, the monies, if you will, getting to the moon, let alone what we find on the moon. We talk about rare earth metals. There are rare earth metals because they're not from the earth. They're, there's, they're potentially in, you know, plethoras and volumes on, on, on the lunar surface. Sure. Uh, NASA has agreed to by uh, lunar regolith, which is the, the, the soil, the crust of the earth, uh, of the moon. So if you bring it back, we'll buy it from you. Um, <laughs> and so there's a couple of companies that are, are, are looking to do that as well, which is fantastic because we want to understand uh, what's out there. Uh, when we talk about uh, industry, I want to talk about the uh, in industry potential. Let's talk yeah. about the ISS, the International Space Station, which has been off this earth, we've had people living off this earth for over 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, November of last year was the, it was, was the anniversary. Uh, so we've had people um, living off, the, uh, off this earth. So, you know, the, for, for a while we had the space shuttle that was taking us. Uh, and then in 2011, it was the, uh, uh, the last launch and uh, that got shut down. And then we started relying heavily on our, on our, uh, our space partner, uh, the, uh, the Russians. Uh, Roscosmos and flying with their Soyuz rockets. And we have been. And then we realized that uh, we want to be able to have some, some redundancy and we wanted to be able to launch our own um, astronauts from our own soil using our own rockets. And that's what the commercial crew program is all about. Uh, it went through phases. Uh, the last phase, which was awarded to um, SpaceX and to Boeing, SpaceX has the Dragon capsule and Boeing has the Starline, Starliner capsule. Um, we've put those folks on, those guys on contract together. The, that program, I think was like $8.2 billion. $8 billion. Um, but uh, this year, this year, 2020, was the first time we were able to launch our, um, uh, our, our, our mission, uh, our mission crew, if you will. We did a, we did a demo uh, last summer we spent, we sent Doug Hurley and Bob Benkin uh, mm -hmm. up there. That was just a test. Um, we learned a lot from that. And then when they came back, we, we got some more lessons learned. You know, we saw the capsule bobbing around in the, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico and all, we had all the, all these, um, all these sailboats trying to figure out what's, what's that thing floating around. Well, that was our, our demo, uh, our, um, uh, our, our demonstration with SpaceX, which, which went very well, uh, gave us enough confidence to launch our first crew, which had, Four people on board uh, to include um, uh, Suguchi uh, from Japan, uh, Shan Martin, uh, first female in the in the capsule, uh, Victor Glover, and uh, uh, Mike, Michael Hopper, who just recently shifted from the Air Force to the Space Force uh, while he was on station as the Space Force continues to grow. I bring up the ISS because we are continuing to figure out ways to get there because there's a lot of science, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things we're learning about the, the microgravity uh, environment. Think about everything you learned about, um, you know, even as a kid, how things work. You throw a ball, you, know, and you figure out if you wanna throw it so far, you have to throw it at a certain angle because of gravity, right? You think about how you build something you know, and the effects of gravity. In the microgravity environment, it is, you just gotta throw all of that away. Hmm. Uh, we talk about uh, a, a, 
a sterile, a sterile environment. You know, when you're here on Earth, you know, I got that you and I were talking about my fireplace. When you look at a, a flame here on Earth, it's got that that oval glow, that yeah. oval shape with the blue, you know, uh, in the middle. When you've got a flame or fire uh, in space, it is perfectly round, wow. which allows us to better understand fire, which allows us to better understand combustion, hmm. which allows us to perhaps create better engines, right? Uh, there are other companies out there looking at how, how things are, are formed, how crystals are formed. Um, we talk about, um, you know, as you get older, uh, folks start to lose their, their, their eyesight. And it has to do with, you know, the, the deformations of the retina in the back. And there's a way to fix it by putting this lens, this lens back there. But it's very difficult to produce that lens because it has to be very clean, has to be very, you know, very, has to be near perfect. It's tough to do that on Earth because of, I don't know, lint or or just the, 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 the impact of gravity as, as things are, are, are being composed. You don't have that in space. You don't have that on the space station. Yeah. So if you could think of you know, a shoebox size machine that's producing thousands of these lenses at a time that you could send back to earth, uh, you know, and I, you know a, a lens like that can go for thousands of dollars, you know, and you could produce you know, tens of thousands of those at a time. You, you could produce as many as you want as long as you have the materials. There's just a booming potential market out there for, you know, for anything. Think of everything we build. Just think, imagine if there was no gravity. Well, you can do that on the space station. Wow. Uh, and now there's, you know, the space station is, is getting, getting kind of old. Um, and uh, Axiom, has, I think it was Axiom, uh, has just announced that they plan on building the first commercial space station, um, which is going to be fantastic because they understand that there's, there's a market out there. Yeah. Now, Adidas was talking about uh, uh, how to develop athletic souls, you know, um, you know, how, to, how zero how, gravity souls, zero gravity souls. Well, you know, you think about how your, your the, the foam in your heel is built, right? You know, they are built in the environment of gravity. If you're able to make perfect, I don't I, I'm not a soul designer, but Adidas is looking at something. There's something there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, you know, I would I'd be remiss if I didn't note that. You know, there are a lot of satellites that are in low Earth orbit. Yes. We've gone from big to small to nano, nano cubes, small cubes, um, which is great because they can do you know, a lot of amazing things. You know, the, uh, this, this last uh, appropriations bill that, that got passed is awarding, I think, 15 million to the Office of Space Commerce to you know, put effort into space traffic management and space situation awareness. A lot um, of debris out there. there. There is a lot of debris. Yeah. So, you know, when folks ask me, well, you know, what, 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 you know, what kind of industry is available in space? You know, anything you can think of that we do on here on earth, traffic management, debris cleanup, yeah. um, you know, we, there's this thing called OSAM, uh, on orbit servicing and, and maintenance uh, and manufacturing. Um, you know, a lot of those satellites, you know, the smaller ones aren't, aren't as, they're expensive. They're not as expensive. A lot of the older ones, you know, they are. Is it cheaper to, you know, let it die and create another one, or can we create a satellite that can go out and just repair and replenish hmm. the ones that are out there? So, you know, I, I think about I think about this when I'm driving to work. You know, everything I see and I think about is there applicable? Is there application of this in space? And 99% of the time, is the, there is, and that 1% is probably just not yet, but there will be, right? Um, we, by nature, we are exploratory. We want, we're going to put people in space. 
so if we're gonna put people in space, we're gonna to wanna to make sure that we can do it safely. And we're gonna to wanna to make sure there's infrastructure, there's ways to communicate, there's ways to survive, replenish, uh, you know, harvest, and, you know, they're eating radishes on the space station that they grew in space, right? Right. Um, I think about uh, Matt Damon eating, you know, cutting his <laughs> potatoes on Mars, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, rationing his potatoes. So, and so you look at you look at our our, our diverse um, and well qualified astronaut corps. You know, there was a time when they were all test pilots. You know, uh, but now you've got geologists, you've got doctors, you've yeah. got you know biologists. Um, and I I tell you, you know, it may be early, but I think it's just a matter of time. Every occupation you see here on Earth, you're gonna there's gonna be some sort of variant out in space. Yeah. So. So all those that are in the business world listening to this podcast thinking, why do I care? Well, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of opportunity out there and someone's got, got to start, you know, putting putting some some pen to paper and, and putting it out. Now, it, it, where I sit at the agency, listening to all these, um, uh, not pitches, but a lot of things that are happening. Um, you know, there are, you know the, the fact that other countries realize the potential in space, you know, there, not that there, there's a, a, a space race per se as it was back in the 60s, but th there is there is international movement to occupy space mm -hmm. uh, and, and for, for, for good reason. So we just wanna make sure that uh, uh, we're able to do it um, uh, peaceably. Uh, and the way to do that is to, you know, whoever gets there first and set the rules, right? <laughs> In accordance with the UN Outer Space Treaty, of course. <laughs> yeah, vis-a-vis. -vis. Oh man, no, I, I, uh, I think we could talk for hours on all the different projects, and and I hope that we actually get to talk again. I, I, I was really, really enjoying all the different things, and I, I love how you laid out from the Earth to looking back at the Earth to looking out at the stars to getting to the Moon to getting to Mars and beyond. Um, so. Randy, thank you so much for just spending just a, a, a few minutes, I would say, with me talking about what, what, how you got to where you are, uh, really cool initiatives and projects at NASA, um, and with their, their sub-tiers and, and, and uh, partners, if you will, um, and then where you see this going. Um, I really want to thank you. Sure. We didn't even talk about the asteroids. We can talk about that next time. <laughs> That'll be on the next time. Anyway, thank you so much. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your week and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Anytime, Josh. Ed Astra. <laughs>